0: Hello, Calgary. Are you curious about the future of oil and gas in our city? Join me as I sit down with an industry-leading CEO as he shares his views on what we all need to do to ensure our future is something that we can all look forward to. Hello, and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I sit down with Mr. Grant Vakerheim. Grant's the president and CEO of Whitecap Resources. Grant's a longtime executive. He's been in this space since 1984. He's worked his way up through the ranks of the oil and gas sector. He's seen the highs and seen the lows. Grant shares his perspectives on what we're doing right, what we could very much be doing better. Doesn't hold back to share his beliefs on the deep divide between the East and the West and the, the misalignment between our both federal and provincial governments. Grant shares his insights on the road ahead. He shares his views on everything from corporate taxation to provincial sales tax. Join me for an in-depth, honest, and thoughtful conversation with Mr. Grant Fagerheim. Uh, so, Grant, let's let's, do- let's dive right into it. Let's rip re- let's re- off the band-aid. We're here to talk about economic transformation. It's a buzzword. It floats around everywhere. As someone who is a, you know, a, I would say a voice in our in our community, as the as the leader that you are, I've had the opportunity to sit around the table with you a few times and share your share your views and hear your opinions and so maybe we'll start from that like you're if you're in it you're in it every day you're in Calgary are you a Calgarian Grant before I go too far down I'm the path?
1: from small town small town Saskatchewan originally oh, nice. uh, Estevan, Estevan
0: Saskatchewan oh, my wife had family uh, that's my wife's family I think two or three generations ago uh, Estevan was one of their their key stops that comes up in in family conversations frequently. how long you been in Calgary <laughs> how long you been in Calgary yeah,
1: so I arrived in Calgary in, in 1980 and, and uh, have enjoyed my entire time in this beautiful city um, since becoming a resident in, in 2080.
0: Oh, nice. So so, so the 80s, I'm not being here, being maybe I'll be on, I was seven uh, at the time. Uh, what was the 80s like in Calgary? Because I've heard comparisons and like, you know, whoa, well, man, it's the remember, the remember the 80s. Just the perspective of kind of what we're going through today, which we'll talk about, uh, comparisons or thoughts or what's your viewpoint from what I've always been told where those were the dark days, uh, you know, from a, from a storytelling perspective.
1: Yeah. And I, and I believe they were, but I wouldn't know that because I just came out as a, a university student. I had uh, mm, okay, chased, the, yeah, I chased the hockey dream and, and I started uh, working with a company by the name of Dome Petroleum back in 1983, and and really you're just on the massive learning curve at that particular time, similar right. to what our students are at this at this time. But the city was about 300 to 350,000 people, mm-hmm. so the amount of growth that we've seen since that, and it, and it was it was energy centric. And I didn't realize how um, harsh it was uh, with the people of that particular time because we were just uh, young coming into it. That's fair, right? trying to make things happen and and learn as much as we could as quickly as we possibly could. But we enjoyed uh, a lot of great relationships and I I started working in the energy sector and I've worked there my entire life, uh, uh, working life. So I've enjoyed that, but I can tell you Calgary was very vibrant and it was alive and innovative and even through those, what I've uh, talked with our forefathers about of uh, how the industry Um, was really being penalized during the early 80s under the uh, uh, Trudeau senior uh, time frame. And that was... um, uh, they worked we had a great leader in in Peter laheed um, that was able to to maneuver maneuver his way through and, and put us in the stead that we're in uh, we've enjoyed for the last 40year uh, period of time so um, once we it, it took a long time for us to even understand how much uh, of a challenge that the energy sector was going through back at that time but i got to tell you what people are resilient they're innovative uh, and they just got up every day and went to work and, and, and did what they had to do and you didn't at that time there was no real complaining. We didn't have the access to uh, the digital age that we have today or social media. The
0: soapbox, the soapbox that we all have, yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so people just got up they did their their job, they went to work, they worked hard, um, long work hours and and uh, learned a lot on the way through so and, and made uh, calgary the, the the great city that it is uh, at this
0: particular it 's interesting when you think about forty years three hundred some thousand people to you know basically a million increased in 1.2, 1.3, what it is now, and an industry that has provided so much for the city and i like I really you know resonate with what you said of like the like just get her done like head down hard work and and focus. And so when you think about the economic transformation that we're going through today, and like, like I alluded to, it's a, bit of, it's a bit of a buzzy term. So even what, you know, curious your perspective. I was talking to Mary Moran the other day from CD and she, you know, she just referred to it in a way that just forced me to rethink it. She goes, well, the structural change in the oil and gas industry that happened like four to five years ago. So from your perspective, even if we rewind that for, you know, 2014 kind of time of time frame, what's it been like the journey and will evolve into kind of maybe what it is today as the second kind of wave of, you know, the double, the double black swan, which is a common term around the oil and gas significant drop combined with COVID. But even the last five years, what's it been like for you being in the industry as long as you have and kind of what have you seen and what are we, what are we learning so far?
1: Yeah, that's a, a it's really interesting. And I want to come back to your comment on transformation and people use different terminologies. And I prefer uh, Tyler rather than transformation. I, I uh, observed the growth and the modernizing of Calgary since the 80s that I talked to you about mm. um, and and feel that we now uh, can take this very disruptive pandemic time period we are living through to diversify Calgary. And what I talk, prefer to talk about is diversification. And that okay. includes individuals work and play habits um, um, and the, the fight to influence our way of life, including the control of our financial affairs that has been interrupted. Um, historically, Calgary has been known to be a very philanthropic city in Canada, the most uh, philanthropic city in Canada. Which included medical, entertainment, youth programs, education, and support for these the less fortunate. Uh, and the majority of uh, that giving was related to the good fortune of the masses resource sector that we right. that we are provided, not only for Albertans but for all Canadians. So as we transition or transform, diversify, I think the energy sector uh, uh, in Can- in Western Canada has been recognized externally as a worldwide leader in responsible resource development and it's uh, uh, and it is concerning that the federal government doesn't respect and celebrate the, the high environmental environmental standards that we have but this needs to change and will change and the narrative will well changed. So I'm, I'm quite frankly, I get pretty excited about uh, uh, the transformation into, you know, we'll call it more technology, more medicine. And, and why couldn't we, um, why couldn't Alberta, Calgary, Alberta, uh, that Why wouldn't it be a preferred technology center in Canada and perhaps the world? We have available office space, room for future expansion, both commercially and residentially. We have advantaged healthcare, good paying jobs with future opportunities and the access to one of Canada's best outdoor playgrounds with the Rocky Mountains being 45 (laughs) minutes away. So, I mean, from a lifestyle perspective, family lifestyle perspective, um, we just need to shift the mindset to include both existing economic drivers together with the balance of new and emerging growth prospects in technology, in medicine. Um, And we'll talk about it principally focused on advancing software and hardware technologies. And I believe that we can, if we're accepting of all those, and this is going to be, it's going to be on the backs of everyone, not just a few individuals, but I get, I can get very excited about what that looks like in, into the future.
0: It's uh, to hear you lay out all the ingredients, you know, if we're going to bake a cake, we've got, it's all laid out on the counter and we've got premium ingredients. They're all just in their own little piles right now. (laughs) It's that bringing them together that I think, and that's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Something I want to circle back on. And I think you and I've even been in the room in this, with around this topic, I'm going to be blind. When when did the resource industry or the resource sector become the bad guy? And, you know, I know that happens over generations and it's been such a driver here and such a contributor locally and, and nationally. You made that comment about the federal government and and the almost, you know, vi- vi- being vilified, our industry being vilified. I say our because I'm a proud Albertan. Uh, any thoughts on that? I know that's a big, that's a big, broad one, but uh, I'm a man, a man with opinions. I'd be curious if your views of kind of you know, I, w- I want to be blunt. Where did we go wrong, or how do we end up maybe where we are? Where is this? If you agree with one, you're against the other, and there isn't there isn't a sense of inclusion, as I think there needs to be based on what you. I agree with what you just said.
1: So what's interesting to us is when uh, the, this federal government came into power um, and they started going down a path of uh, from a, a path of penalizing the energy space, which is. Mm -hmm. predominantly in Western Canada so this is five almost six years ago now that not wanting to accept and we all thought that, that that would change that we could have intelligent mindful conversations about how responsibly developed the resources in Western Canada and actually world leader in uh, resource development, not, not just for the benefit of Westerners, but for the benefits of all Canadians. And we've seen all the discussions around equalization and stabilization and, etc. Uh, et cetera. Um, and it, and it, it has become, you know, Canada is very divided and polarized at this time as a result of the government policies and regional differ, differentiation. We've taken, um, uh, a once very economically strong and, financially stable nation and brought it to an underperforming and underloved nation by world investors. And that is the challenge. And that has, that's evolutionary. That is when your own governments don't support what you're attempting to do for the benefit of Canadians. Um, they they want to vilify as you, as you've referenced, vilify, um, the energy sector. I think that's incorrect. I think it's an incorrect behavior. We've tried we had been trying for three to four year period of time to educate to to take our our message as to what we do and how we do it in Western Canada and why we're recognized worldwide uh, on the development side um, right now we really have to bring back uh, uh, to include competitiveness fiscal responsible behavior with a willingness to be inclusive of technology advancements in the celebration of prosperity and job creation. Across our country, it's not just in this particular province or Saskatchewan, British Columbia, and and, and it's challenging because our, what I call our future leaders, our young uh, individuals that are uh, going to universities, etc. They should be provided this opportunity to to participate and actually lead the charge moving forward.
0: That's so I, I like I like celebrate celebrate prosperity and success, you know, on a national level. And so is it. I guess, curious, I'm, I want to dig in. And there's something we're not, probably not going to answer on this call today. But it's, it, feels, it feels like that. it's almost like picking an enemy and then, and then showcasing that and making that the thing to be against. And we're, we live in such a society where to be for something means to be against something else versus just, yeah, no, we need to look at things. We need to look at it differently. Just that dialogue and that divisiveness between you know Eastern, I grew up in Eastern Canada, so I, I have family in Quebec. And it's amazing when I chat with them about the messaging that they hear versus my mom will say, hey, I heard this or this was in our local news what's your version of it and it is it feels like there's two completely different narratives being told on either side of the country and I know that you and I are maybe going to solve that today but I do believe it's at the core of a lot of a lot of the challenges that we're dealing with with this alienation us versus them kind of thing that's going on that to me is completely detrimental to like national success Mm -hmm. 100%.
1: 100%. That's where I believe if we're going to have, and this could be a time, what I consider this to be a time to to reshape this narrative or reshape uh, Canada. If, if the federal government and everyone, all the constituents within our country, wouldn't this be a marvelous time to be inclusive of all potential opportunities in, in Canada? So this could be a time frame that they could use to unify Canada rather than further divide it. Yes, and we'll see the behavior that they they come forward with at this particular time. we have just seen this divisiveness of of uh, it is the environment i I believe that it all has to work together the economic yes. what I call economic environment, energy, and education. And it, it you know, I call the four big E's that we all Mm -hmm. have to bring, bring those together um, for our future generations, uh, because we are on a path at this particular time, as we know that the financial prosperity of of the country is at stake. We've got massive levels of debt that are going to have to be repaid. And it is unfortunate that the future generations are going to have to take on the low, uh, bigger load than they should have to take on and if they do then we should use energy to help solve that solve that equation and that would be done by in essence getting our products to foreign markets to get yes. world prices yeah. so so from my perspective i don't think it's overly complicated but it just means everyone has to step step back take a breather have a balanced approach to life and living um, and move forward and understand and be willing to understand um, what has taken place in in the, the Canadian energy space and its contribution to the Canadian economy.
0: I think that's one of the biggest gaps that until I moved to this province 20 years ago now, I didn't have that perspective. I didn't grow up around it. You you know, price of gas at the pump was the, was your only relation to it and the mythical barrel of oil price that you see on the news. But as a, as an Easterner, which I was, or central Canada more so with Quebec and Ontario, that just wasn't presented. Do you think that, you know, do you see any, 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 any inclinings right now or any things that give you optimism that this recent pandemic or this, you know, this universal reset button, I'm, th- I'm trying to refer to it very optimistically because i know people have been impacted negatively are you starting to see do you have hope that there is some of that brewing that you're like hey you know what this is the time that we can push that that reset button and relook at things if anything any indicators for you out there when you when you look on your your imaginary dashboard that we all have in our minds
1: yeah i mean one of the things you can actually see where canadians including our federal government are now getting a better understanding that oil and gas is a key ingredient in life-saving machines sanitizers mm. plastics yes you know personal protective equipment along with being a re- reliable and cost-effective source of much needed electricity there is not a hospital there is not a home there is not an, uh, a building that can operate solely on on solar but why we don't have a balanced approach i'm a supporter of all areas of of energy development and electricity development. Combustible engines, uh, they will run on fossil fuel energies until we uh, we make change. But that's where we want to use the young, talented minds to do that. So the when I talk, uh, when you, you reference, are you seeing signs? I think the federal government in their heart of hearts um, and, and the, the MPs that are in that, do understand how important it is becoming more and more important, not just economically, but actually from all these supply chain, man- supply chain management, I mean, okay. what, what, what would happen? How would we get products from coast to coast if we didn't have the fossil fuel business at this right. particular time? So I think there has to be an admission that, wait a second, let's, let's work on this together as we move through uh, in time. But, and, and, and I believe that's coming around.
0: Uh, I, I certainly would hope that, you know, things go through cycles and let's just talk about the human psychology it for a second. Sometimes you get caught up in a narrative for so long, you almost just, it's for the sake of the, that's the, what you've been saying. You almost need that kind of, you know, uh, left hook to come and kind of knock you off and go, Whoa, okay, wait, when I come back to this problem, I'm going to look at it with a fresh set of eyes. And I would certainly hope that we, we, don't, you know, I don't want, again, be careful with the same, but don't waste a good crisis. We've come through something or we're coming through and slowly working out the other side of something that was very severe and affected all Canadians and, you know, population globally. How do we go? Whoa, stop, pause. Is this that opportunity? I, I, I don't know if it is, but I certainly hope there's no better time right than right now to look at things differently and come out of this with a different mindset than when you went into it. But that is, that is a little bit remained to be seen. <laughs>
1: I agree with you, Tyler, and I I think this is, could be, and we talk about, you referenced it earlier, because there is so many people across our great country that have been affected. This is a time for reset. Let's reset all of our thought processes. Let's, uh, how we think about Canada, how we think about being the inclusive nature of of, uh, uh, all of our products that we do have. I mean, we have to understand that we have the, the energy sector as the third largest resource in the world. And if we produce it responsibly, it will, from an environmental perspective, it have an impact on the world, not just Canada, but the world at large. So, overall, um, I, I think, you know, the there there will be with the we're, we're fortunate that I, I must say we're fortunate um, in our provincial that we have the provincial leadership at this particular time that supports energy. Uh, that is Jason Kinney in Alberta, and Scott Moe in, in in Saskatchewan. We're fortunate. What what we have to do is represent ourselves on on a for the benefit of every man woman and child in this province in this country um should be understanding uh, and that's our responsibility
0: mm-hmm. that to, get, our, to get that message out there
1: to get that message to get that message out so um you know we have huge improvements to make there as to uh having people understand this and as you mentioned across canada not just in alberta or saskatchewan or but it is in ontario and quebec and mm-hmm. and uh you know i, I think the uh, you know our atlantic provinces have a better understanding of that and then we we, we move through the gap of uh, quebec and ontario uh that that have more hydro, et cetera, and, and yes. don't understand what we deal with out here. So, um, anyway, uh, re- you would expect that reasonableness prevails. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> Grant, that's a bold statement, my friend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but anyway, I, I I do I do think that that uh, um, you know that the provinces are probably going to have to take more responsibility for their own financial affairs and, and uh, versus letting the federal government control all of that. Mm-hmm. And we'll see where that plays out as we move through time as well.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. we could, I think we could have a whole episode just talking about that little window that you just kind of peeked into with that with that comment of what is provincial versus federal and who who has influence versus control and you know who should be responsible for inside their own borders and that's a growing up in Quebec that that was a very polarizing question through my youth and so I, that has an interesting spot for me when those conversations start. Yeah, but it, it's more to look at what's driving us to have those types of conversations and what's frustrating people to a point that they're willing to talk about things at maybe at, an ex- at more of an extreme position. Like some, it is cause and effect to a, cer- to, to a certain degree.
1: I agree with you. I agree.
0: So, Grant, bring it. Bring it a local. You're, you guys are based in Calgary. Obviously, you, you know, even chatting a little bit before we got going, you, you work with employees from across the country. You tap into resources. You, you, in terms of summer students and some of the things you do. But you guys are in, your guys are in Calgary. What's your perspective on, on this amazing city? I'm a Calgarian. I love, I love it here. Twenty years, and I'm proud to sell myself a Calgarian. But this city's got some challenges. You mentioned we've got tons of office space, which is an advantage and a, and a value proposition. But it's also a little bit of a boat anchor. Some Times depending who you talk to, we've got an industry that's been disrupted people out of work, but yet it's still this amazing, incredibly, when I look out my window, there's nothing, it's a beautiful place to live. Curious on your views of how you see things for Calgary unfolding over, over the next few years as you know, it's all tied to, it's all tied to energy, but what, so what are your viewpoints and maybe where are we also getting in our own way? Maybe where can we, could we do better as a city?
1: Uh, I think some of the key indicators of, of uh, Calgary and Alberta, um, is what I would look for is it is about attitude. Firstly, I think the positive attitude, the innovative attitude that, you know, that never say die uh, that Westerners (laughs) have have come to come to know. Um, I think some of the key indicators and if I can list three indicators that I'm watching for and and helping push what I call uh, these is when there's a willingness to reset our national priorities. So there's a whole uh, whole other discussion around that. when we come out of this uh, you know, very challenging environment, uh, pandemic environment, um, will there be a willingness uh, to reset the national priorities with the federal government as well as each province within our confederation? So that's one point. The secondly, uh, when we get a more pronounced improvement on the post-COVID environment, energy supply demand picture, which in turn will lead to more energy-related resource company service company and banking related jobs as well as a growth in consumer spending along with domestic and international travel. Secondly, thirdly, when we start to see small businesses open and grow their cash generating practices, which will in Mm. turn provide additional job opportunities. Those are the, the entities that we have to be most concerned with today are the small, energy not small energy but small businesses uh mm-hmm. you know consumer t- tourism uh, those are the ones that we have to open up to and that's why they the sooner we can get the economic engine moving again yes. the better we're going to be because alberta uh we've talked about this a, a, a lot we will lead um and and be one of the leaders in this very difficult debt position that the country is in uh after this crisis. So. Um, it is important for us to you know, think forward into technology and what can happen and, and how we could attract more people. I, I think Jason Kenney, when I hear him talk about uh, reducing corporate taxes, um, that is for the benefit of not corporates, that is for the benefit of job creation strategies. And that's where I believe the federal government will go as well. We're talking about job creation strategies at all levels, but driven, let's keep the young, smart, talented minds in place and, and uh, have the ability to gain employment and, and, and advance our province. So, which will be carried forward through to the rest of, uh, of our country. And quickly you can get very excited about that and optimistic about that. Yes. That doesn't that doesn't mean that you walk away uh, from the, the energy sector because it is going to be a key driver, both from job creation strategy, but from a financial um, uh, independence perspective for our country as well.
0: As as it, as it always as it has been, you know that that's not a that's not a that's not a prediction. That is just a, that's a, you know history. History history can repeat itself if we, if we allow it to. I think is what what I hear, or certainly my position around that. Uh, you, I heard you say, and uh, you know tax reductions for companies which to stimulate drop growth. What do you see in terms of are we looking at? A provincial sales tax? Are we looking at increase? Like, there's a significant amount of debt. You know, the number I think is you know up in the 150 billion range. Last time I looked or last article I read about it, like federally, what does that look like down the road? Any any thoughts or as we're all prophesizing about the future, like that money has to come from somewhere, and like where is that tax? Like, where's that burden going to fall? Any any thoughts or perspectives on that from your your viewpoint? I do,
1: and, and this is certainly not, not inside the fence of, of our provincial government um, right. mm-hmm. or the or the federal government. But what I can talk about is I would be accepting personally of a small uh, provincial sales tax. I would go to a provincial sales tax before I would start to go down a path of uh, individual taxes, increasing individual taxes. I do think that getting people back to work, getting, is going to be critically important and having them, um, Allowing people to have an income, where they can decide if they where they shop, what they shop for. Yeah, because it's a cho- have,
0: it's a choice at that point.
1: <laughs> that's a choice. So yeah, interesting. Uh, versus a a a government invoked uh, tax. You look at there's a there's other things. I look at. Um, I think that the uh, provincial government should be considering bringing back their their own. Uh, pension plans, I think, into this province. I think that the management of pension plans, and again, I have no insight as to whether that can happen, but Mm -hmm. I think that would be, again, taking more control of our, the financial control of our resources that are developed from the resources. If they're not, if our resources in Canada are not going to be respected, and we continue to pay in into this massive uh, equalization or stabilization mm-hmm. program is it not better to retain as much much of the resources as we possibly can and submit to the federal government for distribution after that so from from a that that 's one of the areas I think the two areas that i 'd be most interested in um, would be along those lines because we have to i look at from all of our teachers our, our educator, what we 'll call our educators versus teachers mm-hmm. yeah I look at our nurses and doctors and and uh, you know if having higher tax rates from a, on a personal basis th- don't doesn 't really make sense to me where I think that okay. when i 've got discretionary income to spend um, a, a, I would not have a problem in, in paying a, a small tax that would help reduce this debt burden that we're going to be going. Well, through.
0: and it rolls the wheel. It's a different wheel that it's turning. You know, to hear you loud and clear about even your three pillars. One being the small businesses. If someone's got, if someone's out of work, they're not they're not going to the local coffee shop or the local what local whatever insert insert services or, or product. Where all of a sudden now, if I'm feeling comfortable and I'm feeling secure and I have got revenue. I'm going to go out and buy things and then that, that's an, inter- it drives, it just drives a different set of outcomes. It's interesting. I haven't thought about it, broken it down that way.
1: And it's interesting. The other one hmm. is that I think people should feel in our province that there is going to be, they must know that there is going to be opportunities to gain employment. Um, once we get people back to work, help make change and then contribute into the communities in which we live. I mean, that yep. is going to be critically important. Um, so and that, that isn't to do with the finance, but that is, Lending a helping hand, that is helping people uh, without needing uh, financial reward for that. I think that that, we we know that Calgarians and Albertans and Canadians for the most part have been uh, uh, known as hardworking individuals um, that have a care for their city and their province. Um, What we have to be concerned about is making the future as bright as possible for our children and our grandchildren. We have a responsibility and we have an opportunity to do that.
0: Well, I think it, it reminds me. I had a I had a coach once, ex military leader. He said to me, "So, Tyler, as a leader, what's your number one job?" I was like, "Oh, geez, I don't, I don't know." It feels like a big question. He goes, "Hope. If you don't create hope in the people around you, how they're ever going to believe that the future is going to be better than the past?" And that's what we all want to work towards. And it sounds so simple when you hear it blown up, but that leadership is that, that hope for hope things will be better than they were yesterday. You know, I think that all—that's that feels like a common, you know, human trait.
1: You know that that hope. Uh, your comment on hope. I I have to relate to this. I had a, a coach back when I was a, a young gun. That hope, hope can definitely defeat fear.
0: Um, <laughs> yes, it can. Yes. So, yeah, so hey, uh, maybe, who knows? True. It's Calgary. We probably had the same coach. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I've stranger Stranger Things. Calgary is the biggest small town. From a city perspective, me, me, going down, we've been talking, I know it's, it's hard not to talk about the higher level because we don't live on an island. We don't live in a glass dome in Calgary. Is there anything from a city perspective where, and I'll be blunt, where, where we're getting in our own way? Uh, anything that we're doing that, you know, whether is it, is our tax structure, is it our municipal government and it's not to call anyone to to the, to the carpet here, but also this podcast is about talking about real things. Cause if you don't, if you, you can't fix the secret and the other old says, we're going to be all <laughs> throw those out. Is there anything that, that you see as like, wow, we really got to We got to stop doing that and by in turn doing something differently uh, from a city perspective, anything on your radar there?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you, meant, you mentioned the municipal, municipal taxes. I think that in Calgary, uh, we have to ve- ve- be very mindful of where we're spending our money and where we're spending our, um, uh, there is a proposal for the green line that goes south. Mm-hmm. And, and I, think that, that that, I think that is a concern. I think that is a very good project, but it's not for this time. Uh, for example, Okay, that's so interesting
0: because I, I heard our mayor on the on CBC with David Gray the other morning talking about it, and, and it was funded and it's de- and it's decided, and we're doing it no matter what. And it didn't feel like there was a lot of room for conversation in 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 the in the in the, the, the speak that I was hearing.
1: But that's where we, I think where we have to have an open conversation is: is it critically important at this particular time, uh, with what we're going through, and elevated amounts of debt at all levels, whether municipal, provincial. Mm-hmm. Federal personal uh corporately yes. um, is this the right time to be to to be going down that particular path? I do think also that philanthropy is is being quashed and that, and that's a challenge there's some areas that uh, um, I believe the West was built on philanthropic measures and and it's challenging at this particular time that those that can afford um, to be to help in in the fields of uh, arts and education, uh, healthcare, you mm-hmm. um, know, I think that potentially we we could change the tax structure so people, um, the, those that are donating to make lives better for others, uh, c- could be helped along as well. So, and if you and if you can't, that, that's fine as well. People are going to do what they have to do. But I think when we talk about this municipality, um, Calgary is a wonderful city you know we've tried to what we'll call urbanize it bring people down into the downtown core mm-hmm. um, and now you find maybe through this COVID that people will want to move out of the downtown core from a distancing perspective so uh,
0: yeah I was reading about some future trends of like the trend to move inner city and now all of a sudden they're projecting some trends that people want to be out it's interesting how quickly that can that change in a matter of weeks really
1: right and, and so therefore with that I think that you can uh, listen to what the people are wanting to do and, and you, um, you don't have values for properties and assets and things like that. Let's, let's take a step back, understand that, that um, we're trying to drive people into the inner core from a, you know, what I'll call a consumer spending perspective, mm-hmm. but that maybe not a lifestyle perspective.
0: That's interesting. And uh, again, so many things being affected and, you know, that, that this new future that we're all looking at and what, what is it going to be? And, you know, I think you touched on it when people's beliefs change, then that's when like, you know, that's where they spend differently. They act differently. And like something like this is a, is a belief shifting experience that we've all just been through and we're continuing to go through. It's like, I don't want to speak to about it's over. We're, we're working our way through.
1: Yes, we are. Yes, we are.
0: Interesting. You said about the philanthropy being squashed. Is that because of, you know, adverse kind of tax environments? Like that's a big one because you're right. I've known the city to be very generous from people like highest kind of volunteer per capita. Like there's amazing stats around Calgary and the philanthropic. And there's, there's a lot of people that have made some significant wealth here and have contributed back to the community. So when you say that's being squashed, is that I, I can even just a little more perspective because I don't really know anything about that
1: yeah the act of giving sorry i should say the act of giving in this environment when okay. um and, and it it goes back to number one we, we were talking about hope and fear earlier mm-hmm, um yes. when people for fear actually for their own financial um well-being mm-hmm. um and then the areas that they've created the wealth from which is historically in western canada has been through the energy patch and it's not being respected or celebrated at the federal level people just they shut down and yeah, say well, yeah. wait a second. you take,
0: you take, you take so, your toys and go home right
1: <laughs> yeah so that's what it, uh, and we can bring that back i mean that's a that's a just a change in attitude and then when i, I, I say okay paying, I yeah so it's not not as though that from any tax perspective or tax-driven uh incentive it's really okay. just it's an it's an attitude to say listen um if you, if you don't respect what we've done and the contributions we've made to the Canadian economy and and for the betterment of all Canadians, then why should we continue to support uh, you in essence, who should be building hospitals and schools and mm-hmm. art centers and, and recreation centers? Uh, that's your responsibility I, I think um, uh, people have just kind of stood down for the mo- for the most part it's it's been reduced for sure.
0: Well, I think it's very powerful to like what you said. We can talk about governments, we can talk about federal, provincial, uh, tax regimes. At the end of the day, we're still a, a, a group of humans having an experience. And if people don't feel appreciated or valued, that has a negative impact. Like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that, to your point. But also, that's, that's also very fixable, I would say. I agree. I, I agree with you. Uh, I think it
1: is very, very fixable.
0: Yes. Well, hey, I, I choose to be optimistic. I've certainly, I know you well enough to know that you're always looking at the future in a positive way while simultaneously not over, overshadowing that we have some real challenges. And if we don't, uh, everything, has, everything has consequences. And I, I, I joke with my wife, I'm too young to say, remember the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. Like no, that is not acceptable. I refuse. I, re- I, re- I refuse to say that. So uh, you mentioned your you three indicators. You mentioned the four E's. I appreciate some of the some of the things you brought up. When you look at the city specifically, is there anything on your Calgary dashboard that's like, hey, you know, when our downtown real st- uh, you know space gets to this, or when we've got X amount of you know, maybe we even talk about the startup community a little bit. Uh, that you know, technology and a lot of the companies that are broiling around right now, small, medium, Series A, Series B's in the startup space. What's your what's your optics on? That for the city, and you said you know all these different things going forward. Any indicators around the startup environments and those ecosystems in Calgary that you pay attention to?
1: Yeah, I, I, it comes back to the real estate, the available real estate that is very, very good space in in what we'll call the the core of the of the mm-hmm. city. I think we're going to start to see a percolation and a, and a gathering in of of we'll call software development, uh, hardware technology, mm-hmm. uh, and some of those areas taking up space in, in downtown Calgary. And so they should, because today, if you were um, entrepreneurial, which Calgary is, has been known to be, yes, the, there is so much opportunity to get into the inner core. Um, if that's where you decide to be, there's, there's nothing wrong with being in industrial centers as well, but you have, very uh, what we'll call cheap space or inexpensive space that could mm-hmm. be brought in. And, and, and I, I'm starting to hear, and you have some of our younger generation that are calling to say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And we're being very supportive of, of uh, and where, where we can help them along from a financial perspective. I think that, uh, that once again, you need the, the financial resources to support um, rather than taking on more debt and and more of a deficit it is the financial resources that can come from the energy space that can be provided to the new what we'll call the new generation and the new uh, new applications of technology so one of my key components is what what will happen to downtown real estate from a from an office space perspective and there is plenty of conversations going on with that right at this time
0: yeah, there is. There does seem an openness to do things differently, and again, necessity of the mother of all in, in invention. So for yourselves as an organization, just making it making it real. Like, how much do you guys have um, mechanisms in place? And I've talked to a lot of startups, and they like sometimes it's challenging to partner with established companies, or there's risk. And you know, I've also heard though very positively. I had a gentleman on from Suncorp a couple weeks ago, Mr. Ed Ma, and he shared about some of the programs they have that it's all about innovation. It's all about partnering with and finding ways to look at things differently. So as an organization like Whitecap, do you guys have mechanisms in place or vehicles in place where you have kind of an open door for for innovative ideas that might come from maybe different places than they traditionally would?
1: So what was really interesting is just prior to getting into this COVID environment, we were in plenty of conversations with uh, um, looking at our world a bit differently, the energy world a bit differently, Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can go back to the fourth quarter of 2019 and into the end of February, and we were in conversations and and challenging our people to think a little bit differently as to how we're moving forward. What we've, this COVID environment has changed everything. We had to go into, first of all, survivor mode um, and ensuring that our people were safe Uh, our employees were safe and could work from home as well as our field personnel being able to to work in a safe environment so we will get back to that uh we personally had to demonstrate that we to ourselves and to the uh investing community that we were not only going to survive but we're going to thrive into the future we've done that uh we still are looking for the uh, watching for the mechanics that i referenced earlier about the supply demand um uh, uh, d- dynamics that are taking place um, but we will come back into focusing on future innovation and technologies and that the number of, of uh, uh, we're from a company our size to use the amount of technology that we use in running our business whether it's uh, some people want to reference it as uh, artificial intelligence but it's the software packages that we use are mm-hmm. it is it's quite remarkable actually what we've been uh, um, continuing to challenge ourselves to be better in.
0: And as an organization, have you seen that accelerate? You know, is that like, you know, I, we take the last four to five years kind of since some of these structural changes in the oil and gas sector have, have you guys as an organization made significant changes at the leadership, like thinking to say, no, we are going to be more about this. or We're going to lean in. Cause it is a, it is a top down, like you almost have to create permission in your organization for some of that change to happen.
1: Yeah, for sure. our, our, uh, our vice president of business development, Dave Monbrquette, and and uh, we have our VP of engineering, uh, Darren Dunlop, are always trying to be at the front end. We talk about the carbon capture utilization and storage. That we have the largest um, carbon capture and uh, facility in the world in in Wayburn, Saskatchewan. So we bought that asset from uh, um, one of our competitors in in late 2017. So talk about pushing the edges of development. Um, that has been. Um, one of, and that, that was top down, that was from our management team down into, we're going to have to evolve, advance our business, um, which we've been able to do. So we continue to look at all these different, you know, maybe there's hydrogen and, and we're investigating different components of, of, of technology there as to where, um, you know, the future is going to lead from, we do know what we can commit to is, that people are still going to be massive consumers of energy and electricity. Yeah. So what is the best, Methodology to use going forward, and we see some of the foreign countries like Japan going back to coal, and Germany going back to coal, um, and and um, maybe it's clean coal technology. I, I I don't really know, but we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But those are interesting
0: because, one- like you said, energy is the need is the energy, and companies and countries will find whatever way they can to, to fill that need, and that's interesting to hear. It almost sounds like we're going backwards, and I I want to I'll I'll plead my ignorance. I'm not understanding the you know coal based energy uh, development, but. It does sound like hmm, that's inter- that's interesting, as the world seems to be moving away from something like coal as an example.
1: Right. Yeah. I, and so from my perspective, I don't know exactly what's forced them to go there. Uh, mm-hmm. We would, we would have thought that it would evolve a bit differently to natural gas or LNG. But um, again, you don't know the economics of their particular country. Yes, either.
0: for sure. It is is interesting. But to your point, the demand for energy, although, you know, we've had a little blip, uh, uh but it, it is, you know, the world energy abundance and, you know, uh, energy scarcity, you know, and I've had, uh, I had Pat Altman on from business in Calgary and he said, Tyler, you know, how selfish will we think of so much of the world that doesn't have access to reliable, low cost energy? And we're trying to, and we're trying to curb that here somehow. Like we got to think of it, like he said, it's almost selfish to think of it that way. It was just that perspective I hadn't heard before.
1: Yeah. yeah I agree with that, by the way.
0: That's uh, so the big, the big question I guess, and you know, I'm sure it's on your mind on a, on a daily basis, the oil and gas sector, Western Canada, Calgary, like, what do you see in the future? It's six months, it's a year down the road. Like, you know, I've heard you say loud and clear our demand for energy and you know, environmentally sound and, and, and prudent <laughs> energy extraction. People, I've heard, oh, the energy industry is going away, it's done, which I think is a ridiculous statement. But again, what do you see in the future? Like, it's, it's six months or a year from now. What do you, what's your crystal ball say about the energy, energy industry, specifically in Western Canada?
1: Yeah, I I believe there's a massive comeback opportunity for the energy business in, in Western Canada, for Canada, and for the world at large. Um, okay. You know, and, and I look at, uh, Cal, you know, we've referenced it a couple of different times that our make it happen attitude in Calgarians, um, which includes um, our forefathers, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're male, female, um, or um uh, or developing a university at this particular time, and what we we'll call our, our high school and, and uh, um, children in, in uh, elementary schools. We have an opportunity to educate them. And I think it is a responsibility for us to, to get together. If one of the greatest things we can do, um, and I think about this frequently, is we might be best served to bring the energy sector together with our educating association, with our teaching association. At times, I believe our energy sector has done a very poor job of educating our teaching community about the merits and strength of our responsible manner of, of, of developing, and this can be improved. As well, I believe that there's a misunderstanding of the environmental impact of Canadian energy, and that is on the energy sector to help educate, so yes. um, we can do that. if. If it's we have to rely on anybody, that shouldn't take place in Eastern Canada. That should take right pla- uh, place here, right in uh, Alberta, whether it's Calgary, Edmonton, Red Deer, Lethbridge, mm-hmm. Medicine Hat, um, and perhaps we can get a group of knowledgeable energy personnel along with willing educators to uh, together to for a more thorough and balanced approach for future leaders. I listen a lot um, who have immense respect for Peter Trezakian. Mm-hmm. and yes. he talks along these lines as to. Let's have a, let's have a dialogue. Let's continue to open, uh, uh, have an open and honest dialogue with one another, um, and educate one another. Canada and the world needs educated children, and our talented, innovative population this great city can actually lead the way into the future. So, but let's make sure that they have all the tools available to them on a balanced approach.
0: I think that that's I love what you said right at the end. It's all the tools available and a balanced approach. I have a few friends work in oil and gas, and I've heard some recent expressions of, of concern, uh, AKA maybe ranting about, you know, children coming home, not recently because school's been closed, but coming home with a perspective that was very, it, to, to, to their belief, one-sided around the oil and gas sector and the environmental impact. And there was a very big concern, like this is, this is how we make our living. This is the industry that we've chosen to be in and we believe it has positive impact. We had our children are coming home, being given a completely different storyline that was very negative towards oil and gas. So I've, I've heard some fired up, I'll be, I'll be very candid, some fired up, Friends of mine that were not, uh, yeah, they were not accepting of, of the message that was being delivered because it wasn't balanced. It was one perspective and not, and not a positive perspective for Western Canada. Yep, I agree. And that's, that's scary. That's, that is, you're right. I, I like what you said. You got to look at the whole value chain from our most senior, you know, the founding fathers all the way down to the youth, the youth today, the, the, the pre-high school or right up to the individuals you have in your summer programs. Mm-hmm. Correct. Oh Grant, I appreciate that. Uh, it's, Grant, it sounds easy when we just lay it out, you know. If we just do this, this, and this, the world will the world will get get itself realigned. But you and I both know, unfortunately, <laughs> it never seems to be that easy. <laughs>
1: oh, no, that's exactly right. So,
0: no, I Grant, I really, I really appreciate your perspective, your candor, as always. Every time I've chatted with you, I've always been, uh, you know, very. I've always left with a new way of thinking about something, and that to me is the highest uh, highest compliment I can give someone. Like, wow, you know what? I didn't think about that that way until I heard you talk about it. And I think you've really done that today on this episode in, in spades. So thanks for your honesty and your candor and being as invested and knowledgeable about the situation as, as you are. It's, it's awesome. I really, really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks
1: very much for having me on, Chandler. I appreciate it uh, to you taking the time and interest to, to have a discussion and open and a frank conversation with uh, some of the key components of not just Calgary, but Alberta, but Canada and the world at large
0: it's only, you know, good old fashioned chat. Sometimes you just got to sit down and talk about it. There's really, there's really no other way. And you got to go, if there's no, you can't go around, you have to go through. And a, a conversation is the best place to start in my mind, for sure. I
1: agree.
0: Grant, what's the best place? What's the best way for someone? Is it um, sitting on your website right now, which is not a traditional oil and gas website. And maybe that's being a little bit close-minded on my side, but the, the ticker number is secondary to your CO2 sequestered year-to-date number. So kudos to you on that one. Like the, certainly the thing that draws attention. So if anyone wants to learn more, I definitely recommend go Check out Wake Up Resources. Is there any other way to get a hold? Maybe there's someone who's interested in your future summer programs. They're interested in employment. What's the best way to get in touch with you guys?
1: So it's really just to make contact through our our, our website. We have uh, we're always willing to take on conversations. We want. Um, what I call we call our future stars and future leaders uh, nice. to have an open forum to dialogue we we work actively with Canada action we have a, a young individual of university uh, graduate a couple of years ago that works closely with the university programs across Canada educating people on the benefits and uh, a more balanced approach relative to energy so if that's ever something that is of interest to any of our students um, uh, whether you're working at this particular time or want employment it into the future, we're always willing to, to, to chat with you.
0: That's awesome. That's, and I encourage everybody like just reach out. It's a, it is amazing. And I think you've touched on it, just the, the openness and the willingness to help each other and not, not just in Calgary anywhere, but reach out to people, just ask. It's amazing. Who's willing to help. I, I would say just about everybody is willing to help if you ask. <laughs>
1: hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: Grant, well, I look forward to having another chat in the future. I feel you and I might cross paths again here soon. It is small town Calgary. I'll probably run into you tomorrow. That's how, that's how, that's how this city works. (laughs) But uh, I really, I really enjoyed our chat today. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Okay.
1: Thanks again, Tyler. Enjoy the rest of your day.
0: You too as well.